Hello, and thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of DeRitter, Louisiana, recorded at our 10 o'clock service on Sunday, November 4th, 2018. Reading from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, see, I am laying a Zion in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you then who believe, he is precious. But for those who do do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We're continuing our Disciples Path worship series today with the fourth vow that we make when we join a congregation of the United Methodist Church. We we vow to support the church with our service. And honestly, I think of all the vows that are out there, the last two, service and witness, are the ones that have the ability to get us in the most trouble. Because the vows of service or witness are not about our mouths, but they're about our actions. And the vow of service is crucial because a church doesn't, or a congregation, doesn't exist unless the people of God are involved in the service of God. One thread that you've seen through all of these vows is that one hour on a Sunday is not active membership, but that we are called to be involved in all of these areas. And the vow of service can get us in trouble Because without any real warning, our egos can get involved. And without any real warning, we can start building up into our minds how important we are. We can allow ourselves to draw into the mindset, well, after all I, or after all they have done for the church, dot, dot, dot. They are entitled, and that's where you stop. 
Because the vow of service to the church is not about anything that we get out of it. We do not serve the church so that we can call shots. We do not serve the church so we can prove to God how worthy we are. We do not sing in the choir for people to know how good we are. We don't pass the plate so that we can tell God, hey, we passed the plate. We don't go help out with children's ministry. Well, you already get a ticket to heaven if you do that. But you have all these things. We serve the church. We serve the congregation. Not for anything we get out of it. But we serve God through His local church. And the reason why I want to walk around a little bit at the beginning of this is because none of this happens without service. As you have seen this morning, our trustees are always at work. We may talk about a project for 20 years or so, but eventually we're going to make room for our handicapped accessible friends here. That doesn't happen without service. The communion elements are not ready without service. The choir is not singing without service. The money counters on Monday morning, the money doesn't get counted and deposited without that kind of service. Our backpack ministry with the schools doesn't happen if we ignore the vows of service. Those who are involved in our larger ministries like God's Food Box, which is part of our ministry as a part of being in the Beauregard Area Ministerial Alliance. That is a vow. That is living out the vow of service. Seeing a need and, and addressing it, that is the vow of service. And we do these things not for our own sake, but because of what God has already done in service to us. We look at our vow of service and we find our model to be the one who grabbed a towel and a wash basin and claimed the feet of his disciples. The vow of service is one that we don't have to imagine what that looks like because it has been modeled for us in Jesus Christ himself. We don't get the opportunity to serve 564 children and their families if we don't have the vow of service. But the flip side of that is, do we do all this service for what we can get out of it? Or do we do it because of, what, of the Christ that we put into it? That's what's the challenging part about the vow of service. It's so often we want to know, is it going to be worth it? What will we get out of it, either on an individual level or on a congregational level? And yet, we go back and we look at the example of Christ. Do we see anything in Christ's ministry where Christ did it for what he got out of it? Is there anywhere in the Gospels that Jesus' motive was anything other than spreading God's love to others? After all, when Jesus was with Satan, and Satan was tempting him, Jesus could have played the I'm God card, but he didn't. When he was on the cross, he could have gotten himself out of it, but he didn't. Because Christ's service to humanity wasn't about him at all. And that's what the vow of service is all about in the life of the church. It's about us pouring God into others 
because of what God has poured into us. And it's not easy, but it's absolutely essential. And in this week's study, and this week's uh, groups where we've been looking at the vow of service, our theme verse for the week has been, our theme passage for the week has been the one that Tom read for us from 1 Peter, the second chapter. And you see what is being written there. A call to come to God. A call because we have been chosen by God. He goes on and he quotes scripture and he says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. A disciple's service results from being chosen by God. A disciple's service results from being chosen by God. I am in no way a five-point Calvinist predestinarian, everything happens because God wants it to kind of guy. But I do not believe that we are here by accident as part of this congregation, as a part of the church universal, which we celebrate on All Saints Sunday. Make no mistake about it. And this is what's really cool. And you've heard me say this before. This is what's really cool about being a part of the Wesleyan tradition, part of the Methodist tradition, is that we look at everyone and say, you have been touched by God's grace, even if you don't know it, even if you don't acknowledge it, and you have a unique role that only you can play within the kingdom of God and the world. And we must remember that our service better not flow out of us, but it better flow out of a reality that we have been chosen by God. But you see, he didn't just go and say, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's only people, but he told them why, in order, in order that, those three little words, in order that. We are a chosen people. But we have been chosen for a much larger purpose. Our vow of service recognizes that a disciple service comes from God-given talent. God-given talent. No matter what it is, it's not ours, but it has been given to us by God. That's what's so wonderful about Sunday morning worship in so many ways, is that we see the work, and I believe that there's not a one of you sitting up here that hasn't been chosen by God and given the passion for music ministry to help lead God's people in worship. You're not sitting in that choir because you're getting paid. You're, getting, you're sitting in that choir because you've been chosen by God. But here's the problem. You get to see this. But you don't see Wednesday night. And theirs is a very visible ministry. 
but there's lots of ministries that are not. And while it's easy, and I'm not picking on y'all, I promise, but you're the most visible. But while it's easy to see and to celebrate your God-given talents, everything else that goes into this is also a result of God-given talents. But then after that little phrase, in order that, he says, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. A disciple's service proclaims God's grace and nothing else. A disciple's service proclaims God's grace and nothing else. Because that is the definition of being one called out of darkness into light. That is a gift of grace. A disciple's service proclaims God's grace and nothing else. That's why there's no lifetime achievement awards in churches and in congregations. It's because we don't do what we do for recognition. We don't do what we do for power. We don't do what we do so we can call shots. We don't do what we do so that people can say how wonderful they are. We don't do what we do for anything other than the glory of God. And if we're doing it for anything other than the glory of God, we better either have our hearts changed or we better quit. That's how important it is for us to be focused on the fact that a disciple's service proclaims God's grace and nothing else. And then finally, we see once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. A disciple's service is a reminder of God's work within their heart. Our service, in essence, is a big, giant thank you to God for the work of the man we celebrate in the bread cup. A disciple's service is a reminder of God's work within their heart. We serve out of gratitude to God. We serve because God first served through creation, through re reconciliation, through redemption, through forgiveness. We who have been forgiven and reconciled now live a life of service as a reminder of God's work within our hearts. Because once we were not a people, but now we are God's people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. In a couple of weeks, you're going to be given an opportunity to commit to being a part of the service ministry of this congregation. You'll have a lot of different options. You're going to have the opportunity to make up your own if it's not listed. And as you get that card and as you start thinking about it, let us remember that our service is about God's work. I'll finish my last illustration choir, and I promise I'm, I'm done with y'all. But here's the deal. How many of y'all have come into choir practice with a million other things on your mind? Yeah, and, and 
How many of you have come into choir practice with a smile on every single week? No. <laughs> How many of y'all have come in when you haven't really been feeling your best? Every week. And yet there's something about stepping in that room, opening that book, and realizing that the music that comes out of your mouth is a result of God's grace. Because not all of us have been given the beautiful voices that you have. Trust me. There's a reason why I turn my mic off all the time. This is where y'all say amen. All right, but it's a reminder. Your service is a tangible reminder of the work that God did to change your heart. And it's a way for you to give thanks to God. Your music is a way of saying thanks. May all of our service, whether it's passing a plate, singing in a choir, counting money, trimming bushes, being here all day while pews are being shortened, no matter what it is, may you be a reminder of God's work within your heart. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in Derrida, Louisiana. You can find out more about us at fumcderrida.org. Thank you and have a great day.